Welcome and thank you for listening to the Okuo Church Podcast. We exist so that people will be in community with Jesus and one another. We'll do that by listening to God, loving people, leading by empowering others, and linking to our community. We hope you enjoy it. Akuo Church, I'm so happy to be with you today to continue our series called The Beginning. Now, this series was inspired by the word that God gave us for 2022, which is sturdy. With everything that will be thrown at us this year, we are going to need to be sturdy. We are going to need to be someone that can stand against all kinds of different things and someone that can support others. Now, to be sturdy, we need to make sure that we are first built on the right foundation. And we see Jesus talk about that in this parable. Here Jesus says, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rains come in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it was built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So for us to be sturdy in 2022, we need to have our entire lives built upon Jesus, which is why we're studying through the book of John. We're studying through Jesus's life account as written by his friend and disciple, John. We wanna see how Jesus lived his life and how he asked us to live our lives. Now, before we get into this message, let's just take a moment to stop and pray. So just, Jesus, while we dig into your word, and ask that you would be, we just ask that you'd be speaking to us. Jesus, open up our hearts, open up our minds, our eyes and our ears. We are listening to you. Amen. Now guys, I have a confession to make. I'm an evangelist. Now of course, for Jesus, of course, you know that, but it's also a part of my personality. Well, let me just give you the non-Jesus definition of evangelist to help me fully explain this. The literal meaning of evangelist is a zealous advocate of something. So if you know me, there's a good chance I've done my best to let you know about a good restaurant or TV show or book or song or coffee shop or podcast or jacket or baseball cap, like whatever it is, it's something I get excited about. Now, one of the things I'm fairly zealous about is one of the coolest places in our neighborhood, Jefferson Bodega. Now, the Bodega is this really interesting convenience store that is open up about a mile from where we meet up every week. Now, what makes them so interesting is their products. They wouldn't necessarily call themselves like a convenience store as much as they are snack and drink curators. Now, when you step in there, you will find some of the craziest and tastiest snacks and drinks from all over the world. It's incredible to check out. Not only that, they also use some amazing technology to measure what people really like and what they don't like and how they like move throughout the store and what's actually bringing them in and keeping them there. The tech that they use is so groundbreaking that they were featured in Wired Magazine. Now on top of all that, the owners of the business, Luke and Lisa, are people that have invested all that they are in our neighborhood and they are helping build a real community. As a church that has been called to build community with Jesus and one another, we have learned a bunch from them about what it takes to build real community with this neighborhood. Now, as you can see, I get fired up about this place. And it's why I call it the 
coolest place in our neighborhood. Now, if I was giving you this whole rundown and I was getting fired up about this place and I was getting fired up about the people that run it, I mean, if I'm really doing my best to give you my word that Jefferson Bodega is an amazing and great place to go get some good snacks, get some good drinks and have a great experience and it is met my endorsement is met with false excitement or apathy, I'm gonna be disappointed. But if I said all that stuff and then it's met by like opposition, like what, what if you said, that place doesn't actually sound cool? I don't like insane variety. Or if it's met like with absolute disbelief, if you said, I don't believe what you're saying that they actually carry any of those products that you said. Well, if you said that, I'd probably be pretty heated. I'd be a little bit more than frustrated. However, at this point, I wouldn't be mad because you are sullying the good name of Jefferson Bodega, even though it's great. No, I would be mad because I gave you my word. I told you the truth about this thing that I know about. I let you know 100% of my knowledge about this place and you just threw it right back in my face. That's why I would be mad. Because your reaction to the words that I brought you told me that I was untrustworthy. Have you ever found yourself in a situation like this? Have you ever been made to feel like this? Like you were untrustworthy? Have you ever been told that you weren't tr trustworthy about a topic you were trying to explain? Or have you been on the other side of this? Have you been told about something and you just couldn't bring yourself to trust that person at their word? Well, I would imagine that you felt something similar to me, right? And that person that you didn't trust probably felt the same way as well. Now, as we continue in our study through the book of John, we see Jesus having to deal with this exact thing over and over again. He's giving people his word He's letting them know who he is and it's being met with opposition. Now today we're going to be working through the biography of Jesus' life, authored by John. So we will be in the last part of chapter 4 and most of chapter 5 today if you want to be following along on your own. Now to give you some context of what's going on here, Jesus has just left the village in Samaria where he met the woman at the well. While Jesus was there, for the first time recorded in John's account, he lets someone know that he isn't just some rabbi or some prophet. He lets the woman at the well know that he is the Messiah. Jesus lets her know that he is the one that the Jewish scriptures had been talking about. So after this connection with the woman at the well and the village that wanted to meet the Messiah, Jesus and the disciples set off to Galilee. Along the way, they found themselves in the city of Cana, the same place where Jesus performed his first miracle of turning water into wine. So there's some, some history there. It's also very possible that after he turned water into wine, left the wedding, those servants that got to carry that miracle in their hands and see Jesus turn that water into wine, they went to go tell their friends and their family. It's possible that there was an idea in that village of what Jesus could do. So while Jesus is in Cana, a government official from the city of Capernaum seeks out Jesus and has a question for him. This man made the 20 to 30 mile trek from Capernaum to ask Jesus this one question. 
He asked Jesus if, if he could heal his sick son that was about to die. And here's how Jesus responded. Jesus asked, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? Now this seems like a sharp way for Jesus to respond, but what we have to understand is that there's a few things happening here. First, uh, this, this isn't a conversation happening with just Jesus and the government official. This is happening in front of a lot of people, right? This is how it connects to those servants that probably told their friends and family about who Jesus was. And how do we know that? Well, when you look at the language that the Bible was translated from, Greek, you'll see that the original word for you there is actually plural. So what Jesus is really saying here is, will all of you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? Or if he was from Texas, he would have said, will y'all never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? So Jesus' frustration isn't just with the government official here. What he's doing is he's talking with all of the Jewish people that had gathered in front of him. He's talking with the crowd of people that were there to see if he was going to make another miracle happen. He's basically like, I'm not a, a sideshow clown for you guys. He's talking to the crowd of people that are there to see if they could score some free wine off of Jesus, which I get, right? Everybody likes free stuff. Everybody loves some free wine, right? Especially he's like a good cab, you know, they're in there. Now what Jesus is trying to tell them though, is that his words are enough. They don't need to see a miracle. But the official doesn't necessarily get it. So here's how he replies to Jesus. The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. So the official is pleading with Jesus. He is desperate. He's saying, I just need you to physically show up in person to go make something happen. Please go over there, place a hand on my son, heal him, do whatever it is you got to do. I know you got to be in the room to do this. Which on one hand is great because the, the faith that the official has in Jesus' ability to make the miraculous happen is awesome. But he doesn't understand the fullness of what Jesus is capable of. So here's how the rest of this exchange plays out. We're going to go back to John's account. There he writes, Then Jesus told him, Go back home. Your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. While the man was on his way, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. He asked them when the boy had begun to get better, and they replied, Yesterday afternoon at one o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. Then the father realized that that was the very time Jesus had told him, your son will live. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus. So this government official took a day's walk back to Capernaum. He walked a lonely 20 miles back there, believing that his son would be okay. Remember, believe is the word of John's account that we keep on seeing over and over again. It's what John is trying to show us about Jesus, that we should be believing in him. So what this government official learned on this walk and what we all learned in this story is that Jesus' word is enough to make something happen. Jesus' word is trustworthy. The crowd of people would also eventually learn that Jesus' words were enough, which is what I want to settle in on today. We shouldn't need a miracle in our lives to know that Jesus is real. We shouldn't need for him to totally flip our lives upside down for us to have faith in him. 
We shouldn't need for him to give us something in exchange for our faith because he has already given us everything. Jesus' words should be enough. And we should be listening to them. And we see this play out further in the next part of John's account. At this point, Jesus and disciples are back in the city of Jerusalem and they are outside of a natural pool of Bethesda. John sets the scene by describing that there are all kinds of people with physical ailments gathered around the pool. There are people that didn't have their arms or legs. Some people were completely paralyzed while others mentioned are blind. Now the reason that all of these people with these ailments are gathered there is because the pool was dedicated to pagan gods associated with healings. And what would happen is that this natural spring-fed pool would start bubbling and the superstition that was held was that whoever would be the first one to get into the water after the bubbles start happening would have their physical ailment healed. Which is, that's why that all these people would sit by there and wait. And so John introduces us to a man that has been sick for 38 years. And he is at that pool in hopes that he might be the first one in and that he might get better. And that's where we're going to pick up in John's writing. Here is how Jesus reacts to this man. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. So the first thing we notice in this exchange is how Jesus reacts to the man that has been ill for 38 years. Jesus looks at him with compassion and asks him if he would like to get well. And I bet you in, in this guy's head, he was like, yeah, bro, of course. I've been here for almost four decades. Of course, I want to get well. But the man doesn't fully understand what Jesus is actually asking him. I mean, the man laying on the ground was there for the pool. He was not there for Jesus. So he replies with something that isn't a question, but there's, there is really a question in it, I, I think. The man knows he wants to be get the first one into the pool to get that healing. The man knows he will need help getting into the water quickly. So he does this thing where he goes, well, I, I mean, yeah, I want to get better, but I need to get there fast. And he's like, man, I wish, I wish there was a way that I could get in there quickly, right? Like, I wish there was a way that like somebody would be able to pick me up with like a handful of disciples and help me get into this. Do you know anybody that that does that? <laughs> I mean, you know, he, he, he's doing that, right? And, and I, you know, you can't look down on the guy for going that route because we've all been there in some way, shape, or form, right? I mean, it's something that my kids do all the time. They'll be sitting there and they're like, man, I'm so hungry. I wish I could have a snack, and, you know, or, or they're like, you know, look around and see if me or Lauren heard them or they'll be like, man, I'm, I'm kind of bored. I wish I wish we could go somewhere fun, you know, like go do something fun. That would be awesome if we could do that. I mean, at some point in our lives, we have probably done something like this. However, this man doesn't know who he's talking to. And this man doesn't know what he is being offered. He doesn't know that Jesus has the ability to heal him on the spot. He doesn't know that Jesus is asking like, do you want me to heal you right now? But Jesus isn't going to wait for him to ask for him to help. Here's what Jesus told him. Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. 
But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. So once again, we see Jesus' word at work. The power that is found in the world, in the words of Jesus. Jesus' words are enough for this man. There is a roadblock here, though. This all happened on the Sabbath, which to the Jews is a sacred time. It's a time where they remembered how God rested on the seventh day. So they did the same. They would sit there on the seventh day, and still do, and rest and worship God. They would do this back then by following 39 different rules to make sure they weren't doing anything that might be considered working. I've heard of stories of people in Israel on, on the Sabbath and they can't push a button to the elevator. Now, the last of these laws is that you can't carry your bedding on that day. So the Jewish leaders are riled up. This man is working on the Sabbath, so they ask him what is going on, and the man explains to them that he was healed by someone else, and that guy is the one that instructed him to carry his mat. Now, the Jewish leaders are double mad. Someone carried their mat, and someone was healed on the Sabbath. They just, they just can't stand for this. The, the pearl clutching is just off the charts. Later on, Jesus seeks the man out to warn him that his deeds need to change in his life or he's going to end up in a far worse place than just being paralyzed on the ground. And after Jesus talks with this man, he runs to the Jewish leaders and he's, and he's like, that's the guy right there. That's the guy that healed me. Go talk to him. And that's where we can jump back into John's account. Here he writes, So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, My father is always working, and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. For he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his father, thereby making himself equal with God. Oh boy, you think those Jewish leaders were mad before? Now they are furious. Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath. Jesus instructed someone to also go and work on the Sabbath, and now Jesus is saying that his dad is God? These leaders probably have like steam just blowing out of their ears like a, like a Bugs Bunny cartoon, right? Like, because they don't believe Jesus in the slightest about who he says he is. So Jesus starts explaining to him. He explains how his father, God, gives him the power to do any of these things that he's doing. Then he tells them something super important. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God, who sent me, have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. And Jesus knows the hearts of these Jewish leaders, so he needs to continue to explain himself. He starts to explain what kind of witnesses he has, because that's how things work. He needed two witnesses to back you up for anything to be counted true in the court of law back then. And Jesus explains that John the Baptist, the one that they sent investigators to speak with, already testified that Jesus is the Son of God. But Jesus still has one superstar witness left to give him the credibility he should need with the Jewish leaders. And let's take a look at what Jesus told them. He says, But I have a greater witness than John, my teachings and my miracles. 
The Father gave me these works to accomplish, and they prove that he sent me. And the Father who sent me has testified about me himself. You've never heard his voice or seen him face to face. And you do not have his message in your hearts because you do not believe me, the one he sent to you. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. Your approval means nothing to me because I know you don't have God's love within you. For I have come to you in my Father's name, and you have rejected me. Yet if others come in their own name, you gladly welcome them. No wonder you can't believe, for you gladly honor each other, but you don't care about the honor that comes from the one who alone is God. Yet it isn't I who will accuse you before the Father. Moses will accuse you. Yes, Moses, in whom you put your hopes. If you really believed Moses, you would believe me because he wrote about me. But since you don't believe what he wrote, how will you believe what I say? So that was a lot. So let's break it down. Jesus here is explaining that God the Father is his other witness. Then he explains all the ways that God has already witnessed to the Jewish people about who Jesus is through their Jewish scripture. Jesus is telling them that the scripture the law isn't what brings life to this world. It's him. Jesus is telling them that the law can't save them, but he can. Jesus is telling them that what they're doing isn't the right way to go about things. This is a recurring theme in the book of John. Jesus can tell that they missed the point because he can see that they are lacking God's love. Jesus notices that they don't have God's love within their lives. The Jewish leaders are worried about following the laws of Scripture, but they are so worried about following the laws that they are missing out on what powers these things, which is God. And we know that because Jesus is in front of them, telling them who he is, and they refuse to believe them. They are rejecting God speaking directly to them. Akuo Church, let's not allow ourselves to become this. Let's not allow ourselves to be so focused on following the letter of the law, the letter of the old covenant, that we miss out on what the Jewish scriptures pointed us to. Jesus. Jesus is telling these Jewish leaders, guys, me showing up wasn't unforeseen. You were told about me a long time ago. But here's the deal. The Jewish leaders didn't see the Son of God or the Messiah. They didn't see him being someone like Jesus. They thought he was going to be someone that led them like their old kings or their former judges with power and a sword destroying all their enemies. And that's not what Jesus was about. He's talking about love. That's not how the Messiah is going to come back. That's what they're saying. Jesus didn't fit their expectations. And to be honest, Jesus didn't fit what they wanted him to be. They wanted him to topple the Roman Empire. So they rejected him. It's like something that, that happened to me this, this past week. I have a friend of mine that's, that's going through some rough stuff right now. And he sent me this long text message to, to weigh in on the situation that he was going through. It was like, it was a whole thing. It was back and forth. And, and he explained this, this whole thing. And I took some time to think about it, consider what was going on, do a little praying, consider a few different things. And finally, I texted him back with what I thought was happening and a way that he should proceed. 
Part of what I explained is that he should be waiting on God's word in this time. Not necessarily paying attention to signs. So he waited a few minutes, then he texted me back. And he said, no, I asked three other people and they all told me the opposite thing. He didn't want to hear a different answer to his issue. So he rejected whatever went against that. Now, it ended up being that he called me a few hours later and we talked and he's like, yeah, I think, I think you might be right. But, but here's the deal. We have these ideas in our heads about how we think our lives should work. Some of us think that as soon as we get Jesus into our lives, that everything bad will go away. Some of us think that once we start being good people and following Jesus to the best of our abilities, that all the bad things in our lives go away. So when we face troubles, when we need miracles, and those things don't get better, especially on our timeline, we lose faith. Because we have created it to be this agreement between us and God, right? We've created this thing between us and God. We think that if we do things the right way, then he is obligated to make everything good. We think that if we are like giving money to stuff, that God has to bless us back. We think that if we go and tell people the ways that we have fallen short, that he has to make everything better in our lives. But that isn't the case. When we have Jesus in our lives, I gotta let y'all know, things are still going to go poorly. Things are still going to disappoint us. We will still experience pain. We will still experience suffering. However, we will be equipped to handle it. Jesus isn't going to bless us with more because he has already blessed us with everything. When we believe in what Jesus did on this earth and who he said he was, he has given us an eternity with him in heaven in the greatest, best thing ever. When we believe in Jesus, we become different. When we believe in Jesus, we get the Holy Spirit within us. When we believe in Jesus, we get the ability to be in community with him and it helps us be in community with one another. And we know that because he said it. Jesus' words are enough because he backed them up. He died and then came back to life. He inspired a movement that changed the world back then and continues to change the world today. And to be a part of this movement, all you have to do is simply believe in Jesus. Believe that he lived the life he did and that he was God while he was here. Don't be like the Jewish officials that are saying, no, 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 you're not that dude. And here's the deal. You don't need your life to be right. You don't have to jump through a bunch of religious hoops. All you have to do is simply believe. That's it. There's no extra requirements to start your journey with Jesus. And to confirm that belief, I would like to lead you in a simple conversation with Jesus, which we would call a prayer. Now, I get it, this might be the first time that you're doing something like this, and so that's why I wanna lead you, and then to make things a little bit easier, I'm gonna ask that all of our community here at Akuo is praying along with you, because here at Akuo Church, you never have to pray alone. You always have a community here to pray alongside you and help you through what you're going through. 
So if you want to confirm that belief in Jesus, just go ahead and bow your head and pray something like this. Just say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe your words and what you did here on this earth. Today, the best way I know how, I give you my life. Amen. Now let's keep our heads bowed and whether you have been a believer for the last four seconds or the last four decades, and you want to get all the words you can get from Jesus, then just pray something like this along with me. Just say, thank Jesus, thank you. Thank you for everything you've done for us. Everything you've done for me. Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for laying your life down for me. Jesus, thank you for your awesome and mighty name. Jesus, from here on out, help me trust your words better. Help me turn away from the signs that I am looking for in my life. Jesus, help me turn away from the things that I use to measure if you are real. And Jesus, help me turn away from those things and help me turn to you and your words in my life. Jesus, thank you for everything. And we pray all of these things in your holy and awesome name. Amen. Now, before you go, there are a few things I want to share with you here. And the first thing I want to talk about are our community groups. Now, each and every week, we have multiple groups meeting up all around our area. And we want you to be a part of one. And one of the groups that I want to put a spotlight on that you might be interested in is the Deco group. This group meets up every single Monday night here in the Monticello Park neighborhood from 7 to 8.30. This group meets to grow in community with Jesus and one another. And they seek opportunities to serve the local community as a reflection of God's transforming love and they have a seat open for you. If you are interested in joining this group, go to akuo.church community to get signed up. Now this might not be the group for you, but we have others that will fit you and your life. And you can see all those other groups also at akuo.church community. And guys, I talk about this every single week because this is one of the most true statements that I can tell you is that joining one of these groups could be the best thing that you do while you're here at Akuo. And I want you to be a part of that. Now the next thing I wanna to talk to you about is how we are sacrificially generous here at Akuo. There are so many ways to do it, but no matter how you go about being generous here to the church, we want you to be listening to God to see how much he would like you to be generous with. Now, if you aren't sure where to start, maybe you haven't heard from God yet, one of the many ways that you can express your generosity here at Akuo is through the biblical method of generosity called tithing which means giving a first root 10% offering to the storehouse, which is your local church. That could be the place that you start. Now, this kind of giving might not be a possibility for you right now. Things might be really tough for you and for your family. And if things are tough for you right now, please allow us to help you. Help us help you during this time. We wanna be linked to you during your tough time. So if you need anything else at all, please reach out to us. Or if you know someone that needs some help, let us know. 
To do that, all you have to do is go to our website, akuo.church, and click on the Contact Us link. You can also send us an email at help at akuo.church. You can also call or text the church at 210-901-8785. Now, if you are willing to give here to Kuo Church, the way that you can do that is by going to our website, akuo.church. Now, once you get there, all you have to do is go ahead and click on the giving link and then follow all of the instructions that come after that. We also have our text-to-tithe option for those of you that want to not even have to get off your phone. For that, all you have to do is text AKUO, A-K-O-U-O, and the dollar amount you want to give to the number 77977. Now, if you don't want to give electronically, we also have our PO Box available if you would like to send your gift through a check. For that, all you have to do is mail that check to AKUO at PO Box 100, 125, San Antonio, Texas, 78201. Now, one of the ways that you can also be generous is with your time. Guys, we have a handful of different A teams, which we call our serving teams here at Akuo, and we have them all over the place. We have folks in the parking lot. We have folks that are welcoming people. We have folks that are on the, the worship team, whether they're leading worship in the band or in the back doing pushing buttons and doing production. We also have our Cool Kids team. There you can go and help uh, kids get to know Jesus in ways that they never had before. So we want to encourage you to go and be a part of that. You can go ahead and go to our website and click on the, the, one of the links and, and in our social media and we can show you the ways that you can get signed up for that. Or you can come and talk to us or email us or, or contact us in all the ways I've explained to you up to this point. All right, that's all that I have for you guys this week. Before we go, let me just pray over you one last time. So Jesus says, we turn off our phones and, and, and close up our laptops and turn off our TVs. I just pray that these people that are hearing my voice right now would be able to hear your voice in the exact same way. I pray that as they leave here, they would be led not by any signs, not by any dreams, not by anything like that, Lord, but, but they would be led by your words. I pray that they would be able to hone in on your voice this week and move in that direction. Jesus, thank you for everything that you are. We love you. And we pray all of these things in your name. Amen. All right, that's all that we have for you this week. I will see you at a community group. Thanks for spending time with us today. You can find this message and any recent sermon available on demand at our website, akuo.church. That's A-K-O-U-O.church. Also, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Akuo Church. Welcome to the community. We hope to hear from you soon.